0: Another episode of 10th and L, a podcast from True North Church in Anchorage, Alaska. My name is Philip Coleman, and I'll be your host today. And joining me for today's episode is my wife, Andy Coleman. Andy, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, maybe give us a hint or two as to where our conversation is headed today.
1: Yeah. Hey, everyone. And thanks for having me on the podcast, Philip. Um, A little about me. My name is Andy Coleman. And as Philip said, I do have the privilege of being his wife and much cooler half, I think. (laughs) Um, I am a foster mom to the most adorable kid in the world. Um, And as probably all of you listening already know, I live in Alaska, and I partner with my husband in ministry at True North Church. Um, As far as work goes, I'm a web marketing specialist. um, And I love my job. I love getting to work from home. Um, Anything creative is is a gift to me and always has been. Um, I did not become a Christian until I was a teenager. Um, After years of claiming atheism and a deep-seated bitterness, I guess for the church as a whole, Christianity, um, in general. Um, and even after I became a believer, I would say it took until college to really begin to understand how maybe shaky, I would say the foundation of my Christianity was, mm-hmm. um, I found my, myself kind of realizing that I knew what I believed, but I didn't know why I believed it. Um, I knew I needed to study the word, but I didn't really know where to start. People always would say, it, spend time in the word, go to the, go to scripture, read your Bible. And I kind of would look at it and go, okay. Um, but where, how, what does it look like? How do I do that well? Um, So that is kind of when my journey of biblical literacy began, um, as well as my passion for wanting to see a push for that in the local church. um, Specifically, I would say, as it pertains to women's ministry, which is what we'll be talking about on today's episode. So kind of more than a hint, but. Yeah, I, I think
0: that's really helpful. And it's important for those who are listening I want to say this. I think I've probably learned more from you, Andy, than anybody else in my life, any professor, any mentor, any co-elder, just because of the time that we spend together. Um, And I think watching you navigate specifically women's ministry, but biblical literacy for women within that is something that I have needed to see up close because um, I know a little bit of where we're going to go today. And some Mm -hmm. of the points you're going to make are good. They're salient for men and women, but just by nature, women's ministry is not something that I've ever had much exposure to. I, I can't know what happens once the doors at the women's event close, you yeah, know? And yeah. and so I think your insight will be helpful, not only for women today, but for any young man who seeks to be married, uh, any young man who's about to get involved in the dating scene with women, any husband who seeks to see his wife or his female children flourish, Mm -hmm. because I think that what you've seen in women's ministry, highs and lows both, really extend to any woman at any stage of life, and I'm excited to hear you call the church at large into a little bit more maturity when it comes to the way that we lead and disciple women. So, um, church, before we jump into that conversation, just a couple things I want to mention to you. First, some announcements. Um, At the time that you're hearing this podcast, uh, the next couple of upcoming events will include our July men's breakfast. This is going to be on July the 9th instead of the 2nd. We pushed it back so that folks who are gone on the 4th of July weekend won't have to miss that event. We do meet every first Friday. Obviously, this is an exception uh, at 6 a.m. at the IHOP on Tudor Road in Anchorage. And uh, new, this round of our get-together is uh, that if you're coming for the first time, we will buy your breakfast. We'd like to take care of your breakfast just as a gift to you and maybe a little bit of incentive to get you out of bed between 5 and 5.30 and down to IHOP to hang out with us. Um, we have Volunteer Appreciation Day coming up a little bit later in July, Saturday, July 17th. We're going to meet at the Alaska Wildlife Conservation Center at 10 a.m., and we, True North Church, will cover your admission. If you are a um, excuse me, a volunteer in any area of ministry at the church, kids, students, uh, you help out with volunteer life group set up and tear down, if you stand at the connect table, anything at all, we want to cover your admission, the admission of your spouse if you're married and your kids if you have kids. So meet us there at 10 a.m. If you come a little bit late, that's fine. Let them know at the gate that you're with True North and uh, they'll charge us when everybody leaves at the end. We are not going to provide lunch. We also cannot help with transportation. Uh, but feel free to work that out, carpool. There's lots of places down by Portage that are great to grab lunch or dinner on the way back. And then finally, our second round of Church in the Park is gonna be on July 18th. That's a Sunday morning. We'll meet at Cuddy Family Park in Midtown at 11 a.m., and that's actually the day after Volunteer Appreciation Day. So uh, you can pray with us beginning now that we have sunshine that weekend. That's gonna be kind of a doubleheader for us. Should be a lot of fun. And I would encourage you, Church, now that you've seen Church in the Park one time, if it was beneficial to you, or if you felt that maybe it was an easier setting in which to invite somebody who might be looking for a church or maybe isn't even sure of what to make of Christianity. I would encourage you to do that. We would love to uh, take advantage of that opportunity to get to know some new folks and integrate them, welcome them. Um, And obviously, if you're new to True North, please make plans to be with us as well. It's a really good time to connect. And then finally, uh, I just want to connect back to last week's episode. I had an opportunity to talk with our uh, Director of Communications and Congregational Worship Leader, Tyler Wolfe. We talked through... um, spiritual powers of darkness. This is sort of a follow-up to some of the concepts that I was able to dig into on the June 6th sermon, working through the book of Exodus. We defined spiritual powers of darkness. We surveyed scripture regarding the demonic and how the demonic is connected to idol worship in the Bible. And then finally, and most fruitfully, we landed with Jesus, looking to him as our example in dealing with the demonic in both the ordinary and and the extraordinary. So that's where we were last week. Today, as Andy said, we're going to dig into some of the concepts around women's ministry at large. So Andy, I'll throw the ball to you with this first question. Should a church have a, quote, women's ministry? Why? Why not? Talk to us about your thoughts.
1: Uh, Yeah, I absolutely believe that a church can have a really healthy women's ministry. And I'm not sure if I should start out with my butt, my caveat, or if I should wait on that. (laughs) Um,
0: yeah, yeah, hit us with your, with maybe your <laughs> fine print.
1: Um, so yeah, I mean, women's ministry, I think, can be an incredible blessing um, in the lives of women in the local church. Um, but I think in my experience, I've seen it done very poorly as well. And so what I mean by that is if women are coming to a luncheon or a conference or even a Bible study um, and are never being equipped to study the Word well on their own, um, as well as in these group settings, um, I believe that we're wasting our time. Hmm. Um is there a place for fellowship within, within women's ministry? Excuse me. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important. Um, but it's not more important than discipleship that follows them home. And so I would argue that that discipleship starts with a m- ministry that's built um, only on knowing and loving and understanding God and his word better, um, not on maybe some sort of self-centric social club where we are never able to challenge each other or be challenged um, by each other in the word. Um, I just think a lot of times we see women's ministry kind of disconnected from the local church, and I don't believe that an effective and uh, worthwhile God-glorifying women's ministry can be disconnected from biblical discipleship. I think it has to be connected to that, and so that's always my caveat with women's ministry.
0: Yeah, so let me follow up to that then. If a church, you said that they can um, have a, a women's ministry that's effective, Uh, Obviously, you and I are both in different versions of church leadership here at True North. What does that look like at True North right now? We've been here two and a half years. Um, I know there's some plans for things that are coming. So if you could just talk us through, um, maybe answer the question for those who don't know, does True North have a women's ministry? If so, does it match the model that you're recommending?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I will say this, uh, True North Church's women's ministry is kind of just now getting off of the ground. Um, but it has been so encouraging for me personally to hear in every meeting that I've been in um, with the leadership team individually and even as a group that the foundation of their goal and vision for this ministry is that it's all about Jesus. Um, it's not going to be about a program, um, a, a craft that gets us all together, um, or even some sort of shallow study that makes us feel good about ourselves. Um, what what these leaders are really, really pushing for um, is that this women's ministry would be all about God. And yes, what he thinks about us and what he sees in us. But, um, you know, just having Jesus, we say it's all about Jesus all the time at True Mm -hmm. North, having Jesus at the foundation of what this women's ministry um, is kind of being built on is really encouraging to me. So I'm really excited to see um, what it looks like.
0: Good. Um, You listed a few things there that we might say are common pitfalls or just maybe places where women's ministry... Has settled a little bit for maybe less than what would be best. Um, if you're comfortable, would you be willing talking us through, willing to talk us through some of those common pitfalls or shortcomings? And not just—we don't want to pick on the church at large. Right. That's easy, but talk us through your own experiences if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I think I've broadly spoken about some of the shortcomings um, already, but. I'll get a little more specific. Um, I spoke a little bit about my college experience and being challenged. Um, and really, it was one of me and your um, good friends, Ryan, who um, kind of came at me at one point in a really loving way. Can you tell gracious. us what it means like, too, for him? Did he okay. corner
0: you in an alley with a knife? What do you mean he came at you? Okay.
1: <laughs> no, but I was telling him and using these these Christianese um, phrases and terminology about why I believed what I believed, um, and we went to a Bible college, so this kind of uh, discussion was pretty common, I would say, maybe not as much in the female um, group of friends that I was in, but R- Ryan asked me, you know, I hear you using these words, what what do they come from? Um, what, what does that actually mean to you? And... Um, Every defense I had came from a pastor I had listened to, a mentor maybe, or even a friend, but I didn't have any biblical responses. Hmm. Um, and it was one of the most life-changing moments in my faith journey. I felt really convicted to to pick up my Bible and not another topical study or devotional or Sunday sermon. We didn't have podcasts, I don't think yet, maybe. But, um, <laughs> not I that I website. knew of, no. <laughs> um, So, you know, I'm not trying to say that all those things are bad on their own, but how how was I going to be able to discern truth from false teaching if I didn't know the word for myself? Hmm. Um, and, and Ryan really challenged me on that. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it kind of began my journey into what is biblical literacy and why does it matter?
0: Yeah. So is it fair to say, Andy, that people who live in the world you and I live in, where you can carry the entire internet and all of world knowledge and history around in a watch on your wrist... <laughs> That we are maybe at a disadvantage to some degree when it comes to knowing our bibles is that kind of what you're getting at that you you it was so easy to just access other people's well thought out and well-formed perspectives that it there was no real incentive for you before that to go and make your own mind up what led to you being biblically illiterate but having these kind of Wrote answers, I guess, is what I'm asking.
1: Yeah, I think poor discipleship, definitely. And, and, you know, like you said, I don't want to pick on the local church, but I think this is where um, we come back to discipleship being so important in the realm of really any ministry, but women's ministry even particularly. Um, I feel like I listened to so many pastors and preachers, and I was able to communicate Mm -hmm. impressively Mm -hmm. about the gospel, Mm -hmm. um, but I was (laughs) not able to actually come from a foundation of, of really understanding the truth of that. And so when I was challenged, yeah. um, I might be able to come up with a good little saying uh-huh, that I could say back uh-huh. to someone, but I but there was no depth to that. And that, yeah. and that was what I wanted. I wanted to know Jesus like that. Um, and I just kind of thought, well, those are pastors. It's their gift. You know, I don't have that gift. Hmm. And I was challenged because knowing scripture, yeah, people are gifted with teaching and preaching, but knowing scripture is something that every Christian is called t- to do. Yeah. Um, so I guess, does that help?
0: It does. And and I think you're getting close to something that I, I want to say. Obviously, I'm, I want you to do most of the talking on this episode. But you've said to me before that uh, that you've seen in my own life a tendency maybe to be studying just to respond to somebody else, like to be either be ready if, if a critic is going to attack me or because I'm sensing something in culture, and I think the church has to fight back against that. It sounds like what you're describing is knowing God from God's word just because you need to know God from God's word mm-hmm. you're not priming the pump for some fight with somebody else verbally you're not trying to like you said be impressive you and I went to the same small christian college <laughs> and we know what it's like to slam dunk somebody who doesn't know about yeah. Athanasius or or Augustine or some dead church father or John Piper or Matt Chandler or whatever our kind of modern living idol pastors were when we were in college, right? We take mm. their sound bites and we throw them in people's faces. So, um, that's helpful. Tell me this then, if this mutual friend of ours, Ryan, a really, really good brother in the Lord, if he came at you to use your <laughs> words, uh, <laughs> he better not have touched you, Ryan, <laughs> if you're listening, I will find you and I will correct that Sorry, problem. Ryan. We love you. Um, what happened? So you get challenged, you're told by this good friend, Hey, I'm afraid that there may be some shallowness to what you're dealing with. How do you, I get that that's a turning point, but what did you turn toward? Were you able to find what you were looking for? Was there just a different kind of women's ministry or women's Bible study or help us with that?
1: Yeah, um, well, at the time, you know, there really wasn't that I could find a, a thriving wom- women's ministry that was that was teaching these things. And mm-hmm. I even felt like, um, you know, I went to multiple retreats um, and even my closest circle of friends that were women, this was a conversation I was seeing within the groups of so many of my classmates who were male friends of mine and even in leadership classes within the college. Um, but I didn't see it happening within, within those groups of women or even within the church, um, in their ministries that are maybe women specific. Um, and so I felt like I needed to just, to just do it. And I didn't really have the resource that we have now. Thankfully, I think there has been kind of a movement for this to, to be more common within the local church. And I, I'm really excited about that. But, um, yeah, I just dug in, man. I just started reading my Bible, honestly. And I, I was wrong sometimes and I interpreted it wrong sometimes. But I had uh, male friends around me, thankfully, and even a mentor back home who was able to lovingly redirect me when that happened. Um, And I started reading into systematic theology books, doctrine books that were so boring, (laughs) but I felt like were really important. Um, I signed up for courses at DBU and a few I was the only girl in. (laughs) Just to help me try to understand these deep theological issues um, and what I felt like scripture was saying about them. Um, And I changed. My faith changed. Um, I think my heart really changed. I began to have this conviction to see this kind of literacy really indoctrinate the local church. But as we've been talking about women's ministry specifically, um, and I did not know what that was going to look like, but I did feel that it was my conviction and I had to be obedient in trying to to really dig into biblical literacy and, and what that looks like for me.
0: Yeah. So by the time I came into the picture, as far as I recall, you had you were almost done with your school at DBU. I was just I think one semester ahead of you is all. And so you wrapped up right about when I did. I think some of the initial formation of this had already started to happen for you, but mm-hmm. I got a front seat to it when, or front row seat, excuse me, when we were in Kentucky. When we arrived at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, um, we prayed about different seminaries. Didn't want to do Southwestern in Fort Worth for different reasons. Felt like if we were going to move, Southern made a lot of sense, and so and had had really good friends of our mm-hmm. family who recommended that school specifically, and. When we got there, if I recall correctly, um, and we gotta keep moving here, but I I wanna give you a second to tell this story because I think that what you experienced at Southern when it came to the discipleship of the wives of future pastors, Mm -hmm. which is sort of the setting you were in, I think it feels like an exaggeration. It's the kind of thing people would use in an example with no real experience and it deserves to be heard because you had the experience. Mm -hmm. So if you can be nice, but (laughs) tell the truth, uh what happened? What was your experience when you tried to embrace that seminary's form of female discipleship for women who were not themselves called into vocational ministry?
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember um, when you started seminary, I was really excited because I felt like if I'm going to find a group of women who are passionate about the Bible, um, this is going to be it, man. Um, it's, it's important to note that like most anyone that's in seminary is pursuing, Some sort of ministry leadership. Um, Not all are going to be pastors, but you know, I was really hopeful that I would find community um, within women to really, to really dig into, you know, these kinds of deep theological concepts that I was wrestling with. Um, And so, I was invited to go to a Bible study that was for um, seminary wives, specifically, kind of a smaller group in our area. And um, I went there. I was super pumped about it. So we sit down and. There's a video study, cool, cool with that, that's fine. Um, and and about halfway through I started to realize that this was not what I thought it was going to be. Um, it was, the, the, the video was all about really how to be more confident. How do I, as a wife, um, as a mother, feel good about myself so that I can go and serve my husband mm-hmm. and my kids because mm-hmm. if I don't feel confident then they won't have confidence in me. Um, and so how can you serve your family? Um, and I remember they even ended out the study with uh, one of the women in the video giving an example and saying, you know, even when you have a bad day, even when you have a bad quote unquote season, um, we should have that glass of lemonade made and dinner on the table. Um, because ministry is hard and our men need us to take care of those less important things.
0: So you're implying, you say that glass of lemonade on the table, you mean that you received instruction from a theological institution it was part of your responsibility as a woman to provide lemonade to mm. your husband. <laughs> Am I, is that, I mean, that's a real yeah, thing that was said real to thing. you. Okay, Even, and, okay. And
1: there was a little section on making sure you have dessert, a quick dessert recipe. So when someone comes over unexpected, you could have it ready. And yeah. I, you know, when the video ended, I laughed. And that was probably not oh
0: no. a
1: good thing to do. Um, <laughs> but I didn't know. I mean, I expected the other people to. I was like, "Is this a joke, or are we mm. gonna, are we gonna talk about like how this is a problem and we really want to see this change?" Um, well, no one else laughed. Um, <laughs> and I asked them. I, I asked the people, and I was new. Um, and typically, I'm not necessarily one to maybe be this bold but we were talking about the bible and i felt a lot of conviction again i was already walking through this season and so i just said you know i don't want to be mean but i I don't see god in this like we just watched a 30 minute video this is supposed to be supposed to be like a bible study and there was one bible verse um and i learned a lot of practical tips that's great um i learned a lot about making sure that i'm enough for my family I learned a lot about God thinking that I'm the best um, and my husband's work is important, so I need to do my duty to serve him, which is probably its own discussion for another day, what that looks like, but I didn't learn anything about him. Um, And no one really had an answer for me, but they did not invite me back. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's funny. I would have invited you back. Well, thanks. Baby. Yeah, you're welcome in my, in my uh, women's Bible study. Anytime. Um, I think that it is very interesting, and this is not the point of today's podcast at all, but maybe we can double down on this another time. Mm-hmm. I think it says something when most of the women who are in a class like you went to are coming out of churches where they've been discipled a certain way, Why would why would it be beneficial, or why would a leader of a study like this think that it was going to be beneficial broadly across the spectrum to start by teaching these women self-confidence? What does that say about the way they've been discipled up to that point? Very interesting. Mm -hmm. I think that's a peek behind the curtain of what some churches do when we say complementarian, but what we mean is patriarchy. Uh Because I believe if we define complementarianism correctly, it's biblical. Mm -hmm. But when we don't, and it's just a sticker that we lay over generations of men doing whatever they want in Jesus' name and everybody else has to deal with it, it's no wonder to me that you'd have a bunch of women show up to a class that they think is going to equip them for ministry. And the very first thing we have to do is teach them that they should have some voice in their home. So I'm going to get off my soapbox. But uh, that's a thing we could get back to another time, I think, because (laughs) I think that that's part of what made you stick out. It was beneficial to you. It helped your radar to have not come out of that setting, I think. And we have to be very careful now as church leaders that we don't build that same DNA into the way that we disciple young women. Because you're identifying that as an issue. I think one of the ways that we help solve it is what you're getting at, the idea of biblical literacy. So if I can ask you the next big question and and when we're done, we'll we'll dive a little bit into some resources that may have benefited you. Mm -hmm. What is you've said the the term biblical literacy a couple of times today. What is that? And then if you're able to help me understand why does it matter for women specifically? Why are you passionate that you would see women embrace this concept?
1: Yeah, um, biblical literacy really is simply just the ability to rightly read and comprehend the context and meaning of Scripture. Hmm. Um.
0: That uh, sounds a little complicated, <laughs> <laughs> not in a mean way. That's part of my job. But let me, if I can, can I tap a couple of those words and just sure. have you clarify? Yeah. Um, when you say rightly read, that kind of implies that there are wrong ways to read Scripture. So, can you give us an example of maybe like what what is a what is a wrong Presentation of scripture that you've seen to be common, maybe in some kinds of women's ministry. I can think of a few verses that are often taken out of context that drive me crazy, but do you have any that are that come to mind immediately?
1: Yeah, I mean, we we could I mean, whew. so many. I'm sorry, it's hard for me to even come into one, and that's not to be mean. Um, I think anytime we come to scripture and we are coming to it within the context of trying to fulfill our own feelings to, to really, what does this say about me? What does this say about my life? Um, there's an issue. And so I would say rightly reading has a lot to do with the attitude and the posture that you come mm-hmm. to read scripture. Mm-hmm. And we see always for, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper. It's Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. 11. Yep. Yeah. Everyone's, you know, kitchen tea towels or, or whatever. And, and that's so, I mean, it's so out of context so often, but, but how would you know that? Um, you wouldn't unless you are coming to Scripture really trying to understand the context of what's being taught. Who is God talking to? It sounds really good and lovely and it makes me feel good. But is it about me? Right. Um, and so talking about rightly reading, I think, is 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 coming to the word in a posture that says this book is not about me mm-hmm. and my life. And, and you know, you, you hear people call the Bible a roadmap or you know, a map for your life. It's not that. It's a Bible about, it's a book about God. It's a book about him, knowing him, loving him. And so coming before scripture, really wanting to know more about him and not necessarily trying to fulfill some sort of um, need that we think that we have. Does that make sense?
0: It does. And I think, I, I know exactly what you mean, but I want to be just clarify one thing that you said. Sure. You Neither you nor I would say, that there's nothing in the Bible about how I should live my life. Of course not. not. We wouldn't say there's nothing in the Bible about my identity or my value or my worth. I think what you're arguing for is when we approach the scriptures, we should be asking the Bible, who is God? Mm -hmm. What is God? What does God care about? What is he doing? And then along the way, as we try to put into practice steps of obedience that come out of our repentance and identity in Jesus, we do find out who we are, right? But we right. don't find it out by holding our lives up against one verse and going, well, am I Proverbs 31 enough? Mm-hmm. Should I just try harder? And then mm-hmm. we get into legalism and we get into to overdoing and not trusting. If it's okay with you, I'd like to read my favorite out-of-context women's ministry yeah, verse. Go Can go for that? it, babe. So Psalm 46, and if you have this tattooed on your back, I apologize in advance. I'm <laughs> sure there's still some value for, for you in that. Uh, Psalm 46 is a verse about the city of God. But uh, as is often the case, because God views his people as his bride, female pronouns are used throughout this scripture. So taken out of context, it sounds like it's about a woman who loves God, but it's about a city. So here's the verses, beginning in verse four, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. So the city of God is the definite article, which is the holy habitation of the Most High. Here's the verse you've probably heard a lot of times. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved is about a city. God will help her when morning dawns. Now, here's the really good verse that comes after it, verse 6. The nations rage, uh, the kingdoms totter, God utters his voice, and the earth melts. So that's verse 6. So, you know, I can, (laughs) again, if you're you're finding your identity in Christ, can you make the argument that being filled with the Spirit of God is going to result in you being steadfast? Sure. Mm -hmm. The Bible teaches that. That's not what that verse is about. Mm -hmm. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Okay. So how do I know if I'm a person who's listening to this today and I'm going, man, biblical literacy sounds like maybe it's the missing piece that I've been looking for in my own personal discipleship or as my standard for women's ministry changes maybe over time. How can I know if I am biblically literate? Can you give us some tools to use to just evaluate? Do I know my Bible? Is there work to be done? And where do I go from here?
1: Yeah. Um, This is probably not all encompassing, but I've, I've when I've discipled women on kind of a a starting place to figure out where they are, a few questions that I've, I've found online, um, that I think are really helpful. Number one, do I, or do you read books, listen to podcasts and listen to sermons more than you read your Bible? That's a really good indicator. Ouch. I know it's so much easier to listen to someone who's really funny Mm -hmm. and who applies this for you, but, Mm -hmm. but you, yeah being able to apply scripture yourself is so important um can you articulate the big picture of scripture the big picture of scripture scripture not just little verses here and there and identify it in any given bible passage Hmm. so um
0: can you tell us what that would be what would you say is the we have big fancy theological words but what do you what would you say is the big idea of the the big
1: idea i mean even resources now that are coming out are so helpful but knowing that jesus is in the Old Testament, the New Testament, mm-hmm. the theme is Jesus. It is the gospel. Yeah. It's redemption. And so, yeah. can I read the Old Testament and see Jesus in the Old Testament? And and um, and what does that mean? How how does that apply um, to you know all all kinds of contexts and, and mm-hmm. stories that we read? Um, and then, can I read a passage um, looking for the author's intent and writing and overall contest, context? context? Um, so can I go to a passage and say Paul's writing? Can I can I read it looking for who is Paul writing to? Yeah. When is it? Is yeah. like um is he in prison or not? I mean these are all really important things to understand um when you're going to th- the word. I mean even the little things like is he in prison it can really impact how you read yeah. what he's saying
0: well yeah so for example like we're doing uh i always say galatians we're doing philippians right now with our men's study mm-hmm. this last time i facilitated discussion so i had to do a little more digging than the average attendee and there's a couple places where paul will say such and such and such this present suffering well if i take that out of context right i could just think does that mean any suffering anytime anywhere is paul talking specifically about what he's going through Obviously, he doesn't feel the need to explain that further, so the people receiving the letter must know what he means. But if I don't answer that question, why is that dangerous to me? What can I do wrong if I don't do the work that you're talking about? If I don't know the context, if I'm not sure who's writing, what's the threat to me if I don't take that seriously?
1: Like we've talked about misinterpreting, Um, Mm -hmm. and and it it might seem like a small thing, but it can be so dangerous when you stake... your understanding of the gospel or of certain gospels, um, books yeah. of the Bible yeah. on something that isn't actually true. Right. Um, it just matters. Context is so important and it can be daunting and overwhelming and intimidating, but it, it makes scripture so much more rich. And, yes. and I think that there's such beauty in us, um, doing that work, that hard work of understanding the context. I think God has a lot to say, um, and in, in that. And so, Um, another question, do I know the different biblical genres or literary types is another word? Um, and different hermeneutics is the big word. Ooh,
0: careful. That's a $10 word.
1: (laughs) Um, but really, so do I know different biblical genres and the different, let's say, interpretive methods that they require? Um, so do I know, you know, do I know the difference between a message Bible, which can be a great tool, um, but isn't necessarily maybe you should be your only form of study. Let's hold it up against another um, translation and and knowing about those translations. Mm -hmm. Those things are important. Mm -hmm. Um, Another question, Um, do I have a process for studying a passage or do I just start by looking for an application? So um, do I go into it kind of like we touched on going, what does this passage mean to me or for me? Or do I I start with the context, um, understanding how it's written, why it's written, when it was written? Um, and then find the application after I read, um, with all of that information.
0: Yeah. I mean, how many small groups have we been in before where it devolves into, well, when I read this, it means this to me. And then somebody across the same circle in the same conversation will come up with a completely different interpretation. And everybody's just like down with that. They're Mm -hmm. just like, oh, I don't know. I guess that's like your truth for you. And I mean really god forgive us for mishandling mm-hmm. a text that is really pretty specific and clear but we can get so in the weeds if we don't have these tools these are so helpful any other questions that we should be asking ourselves
1: um and this ties in a little bit to the big the big story um that we talked about but can i explain to someone else can i communicate how our uh, particular passage um points to or exalts christ yeah. Jesus, yeah including the old testament mm-hmm. um can I do that? Um, and those are questions. I mean, again, they're not all-encompassing, but they're a good place to start. Can I do these things? Are these true for me or not? And then you know, hopefully we can help with what to do from there. Yeah,
0: right. And if I can just be an encouragement to you, uh, one of the things that has been jarring to me in a good way uh, that's different from the context I grew up in, I grew up in a context where uh, some women, I won't say all because I didn't know them all, but the ones I was close to seemed to be all uh, nervous, scared to, to know too much Bible or to try to know too much Bible. I mean, I have vivid memories of at Vacation Bible School being a student leader, and there were times as a 16-year-old where some of these women in their 60s and 70s that are leading these small groups of kids would defer to me just because they were mm-hmm. so like it, I don't even think they were worried about the church being upset with them teaching it wasn't that old bad argument I think it was more so that they just were nervous that they were going to screw it up that like yeah. in order to keep them from taking things seriously people in their lives probably well-meaning people had told them over and over again well it's really the deacons job it's really the pastor's job mm-hmm. it's really the men and the men only roles in that church, which even at True North, we have a kind of a broader understanding of what women can and can't do that I think is much more biblically founded. But this is the encouragement I want to offer. All around me, I see young women, 20s, 30s, 40s in our church, and they have such a capacity to grasp their career, technical language in their career. They have such a capacity to grasp personality evaluations. That's Mm -hmm. a popular thing among our generation. I mean, the Enneagram goes deep. It digs deeply into the Mm -hmm. psychology of people. And most people our age have at least done a little bit of that. So I think we are underselling our women. And I even made a joke a minute ago, which is why I'm saying this. When we hear a word like hermeneutics and we assume that that's going to be a barrier to a woman, that is wildly inappropriate to me. And I think that instead of trying to bring what is a very good and right standard of academic learning down to a group of people, which frankly shows our hand that we think that they're incapable. What you're describing is calling women up to Mm -hmm. a standard that is fair, that is realistic, right? I don't know if you would agree with this. You didn't grow up in the church like I did. Some of the most formative and biblically based good and right and wise teachers in my life were women. I had way more knuckleheaded, bonehead men that led a meaningless small group for me on a Sunday morning in junior high than I ever. I can't think of a single woman who was a poor teacher, who mishandled the scriptures, who, who carried herself with, with pride in that setting. And so mm-hmm. I just want to make sure this doesn't sound like I'm just asking you about kind of a set of ideas that you have. Right. I'm 100 percent behind this. Our elders are behind this. This is yep. a vision that we have for the women of our church. So Andy, as we land the plane today, I want to throw the ball back to you one more time regarding resources that you might be able to recommend. Obviously, you're only one person. You can only spend so many hours a week discipling women in biblical literacy. So what have been maybe one or two books or studies that you've used in the past that have helped you in your journey of biblical literacy?
1: Um, Yeah, probably my favorite and the one that I refer to often is the book Women of the Word. How to Study the Bible with Both Our Hearts and Our Minds. It's by Jen Wilkin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think this is a good book for just practical study tips for women really in any season of their life. Um, honestly, I think every woman should own this book. Um, and so that's that's a great place to start.
0: Do you mind saying the title one more time?
1: Absolutely. It's called Women of the Word. How to Study the Bible with Both Our Hearts and Our Minds, and it's by Jen Wilkin.
0: Yeah, I love Jen, and she's written some Bible studies, too, that I think are are really good and helpful. What else? So that's a good one. Is there anything maybe broader that's not just aimed at women specifically?
1: Yeah, um, Living by the Book, The Art and Science of Reading the Bible um, is a book by Howard Hendricks. Um, And I think this, again, it's just an awesome resource for really beginning to understand the big picture of the Bible, Um, And if you're visual like me, it has some cool infographics um, and that kind of thing to to help understand the context of what you're reading. And so, again, that book is Living by the Book, The Art and Science of Reading the Bible. And that's by Howard Hendricks. Awesome. So So
0: Women of the Word and Living by the Book. Absolutely. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Well, Andy, I really appreciate you making time to do this, bringing our daughter up to the church (laughs) and sticking her in a classroom so that you and I can have this conversation. Church, I hope this has been a blessing to you. Next week on the podcast, I'll be interviewing Ian Johannes, one of our lay elders, and we're going to have a discussion about eldership at True North. What are the biblical qualifications for eldership? What responsibilities does an elder have at True North Church? And then what do we actually do day in and day out? Meetings, conversations, what are some things that you may have seen change in the life of True North across the last year and a half that come directly from the influence of our elders? If you have any questions, specifically if you have follow-up or discussion questions based on today's podcast with Andy, I'd love to have Andy back on the podcast potentially to interview somebody else or just to speak with me more about women's ministry, biblical literacy. She has lots of wisdom to give that I get to glean from her all the time. I'd love for you guys to benefit from that as well. You can email us at info, I-N-F-O, at truenorthalaska.com. And if you'll include podcast questions in the subject line, that will help us sort through those emails and make sure your questions get to me. As always, church, we love you. We are here for you. And we hope that this has been an encouragement. We'll see you soon.